How are we, Sean? How is your new married life treating you? You don't have a couple of good years, there's another player coming through and suddenly you're very expendable very quickly. Hello, welcome to all four quarters. Your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're in the midst of free agency at the moment. Uh, just before we turn our focus onto the draft, let's have a look and see what's been happening around the league for the last couple of weeks. So, hey, we've got uh, Connor here. We've got Ronan. Hello. And we have the newly married Sean. Hello. How are we, Sean? How is your new married life treating you? It's yeah, much the same as pre-married life. I mean, practically very little has changed other than. A ring on a finger and a difficult to break contract, but uh, no, we had a good had a good weekend. We got legally married, then we got morally married, I guess you'd say. Uh, we had a party, went to Connemara for three days as a mini moon kind of thing, which was nice. So yeah, it was all, all around has been. A, I mean, the hassle of organising a wedding. I, I don't know if that that trade off versus the enjoyment of the actual five days of wedding plus mini moon. Is, uh, I don't know if that trade-off is worth it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, sticking, keeping the love of my life in my life forever is probably the, 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 the uh, keep tips the, tips the balance uh, just, just over the, uh, the, the right side, I guess. Mm, very nice. I like how you, you, you pulled it back with a bit of romantic <laughs> at the end of that. Uh, how about yourself, Fitz? How's, how's life been since I saw you last week? Yeah, quite enough. You know, like we're very busy at work at the moment, so... Trying to push through that and get that done, uh, hopefully in the near future. Uh, other than that, I keep him pretty quiet. Saw the new D and D film; that was pretty entertaining. So uh, yeah, I saw that on Saturday or sorry, on Friday myself as well. It was good fun. Breezy, you know, kind of old school uh, adventure film. So yeah, 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 give it, give it the thumbs up. Uh, but yeah, nothing too exciting at the moment. Just uh, tipping away. Mm, very good, very good. Yeah, nothing too too wild or crazy here. Uh, similar enough, swap jobs, working away on that. Uh, heading off to Frankfurt next week uh, for a few days to do some work stuff. So what I can do is I can start scoping out venues for whenever we inevitably end up there for one of the uh, German NFL games in the upcoming year. Uh, but though I saw the uh, rumour doing the rounds is that it's going to be the Chicago Bears, which I think could make for an interesting matchup. We will be talking Chicago Bears in the free agency review Uh at this so they've made making a lot of moves so it could be an interesting one but uh it's, yeah it's it, that rumored to be in frankfurt or uh so the one the, what i've been hearing is that both games are going to be in frankfurt oh yes of course. um so there's some work going to be done on the stadium in munich or something um so there's a the, the, I've obviously look none of this is confirmed yet but that's just what what, what i've been reading yeah. online about it so advantages we'll, of frankfurt easy to get flights to yeah. That's it. Real party town, I hear. Real yeah. party town. It is not the most fun town, and uh, it's actually you can, not, you not can all that up easy. With the central bank party, you know, uh, outlets. You know, it's it's actually not all that easy to get flights to either, because the timings for flights from Dublin are arse. Like they're just really ah. bad times. So um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll 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 see. I was trying to think of alternatives, and like the biggest problem with Frankfurt is it's in the middle of nowhere. So like there's nowhere nearby you can stay. So you can't be like I'll stay in a nearby town and then come back and come down for the game because like. It's uh, it's not really near anything particularly close, so we'll have to we'll have to make some plans for that when it's coming around. Uh, let's start into the news. Uh, so first up is controversy corner. Uh, we'll have a look at a couple of bits of rule changes that have happened since we were speaking to you last. Uh, apologies in the background if you hear my dog. He's decided to hop in and join the the podcast booth, so Loki will occasionally chime in with his hot takes. 
Uh, and he's currently undressing the bed in the spare room at the moment, so that's great. Uh, he's So rule changes have been agreed that jerseys of the number zero are now going to be allowed. Teams can now be on two Thursday night football games. Preseason cuts on one date. Uh, we're going to have 25 yards for punt fair catches, and uh, people are going to have to wear the guardian cap things in the preseason, which are the kind of slightly bulkier headwears used to design, to to. I was going to say deter, but you don't really deter concussions. You just stop them, I suppose. <laughs> uh, uh, there's also been discussion about being able to flex Thursday Night Football. that has been tabled for the moment because they don't have the votes, uh, although they do have a surprisingly large amount of people on side for it, and there's obviously a, a kick-off and on-site kick review stuff going on at the moment and some discussions about roughing the passer that were rejected. So any of these stand out to you? Obviously, look, some visuals will look a little bit different with, with zeros there. I'm not sure I love. Uh, I'm not sure I love the Thursday night football thing. I think we've seen that statistically there's more chance of injuries and teams are less well rested and things like that. That it's it's just going to be tough for them, um, particularly if they do bring in this flexing thing. Because I ca- I couldn't imagine. And look, obviously it's a bit different in the states. People are used to moving things around for flights, that a bit more. But I couldn't imagine the idea of arranging to go over to watch the Chiefs play in Arrowhead on a Sunday, and then find out the week of or uh, ten days beforehand that actually it's going to be on a Thursday night instead, and I have to change my entire plans around. Like it just doesn't really make sense to me. Does anything jump out to you guys? Uh, yeah, no, I'd agree on the, the Thursday night football stuff seems a bit of a mess and especially to start flexing things. It's, it's one of those things where it, it's television is trying to overtake a lot of other considerations in a lot of sports. I mean, the stuff you're complaining about the, you know, if you're, your international fans coming to Kansas City, this is a big problem in for Spanish football. Um, anytime you try to, I, I've never actually made it over to, to game in Spain, but we did look into it a few times and it's like you have to the game can happen anywhere between thursday and you know monday night kind of thing and change can be made at the last minute so it's definitely a phenomenon in a lot of other sports and the more nfl becomes a tv sport the less they're going to care about the fans basically uh and i think we just need to accept that the other one i suppose the high thing to hear that i noticed the the increasing removal of kicking from the game i think it's only a matter of time before they remove kickoffs and punts and everything from the game entirely because of safety or whatever i mean they really just seem to be trying to reduce it down to its absolute minimum and i wouldn't be surprised if you have like a every every drive starts on 25 yard line or something some sort of rule like that coming in the future because they clearly they don't think it's worth it for the the injuries uh, that come out of it yeah they're just waiting for the last few great special teamers to retire like uh matthew slater or cordell patterson and then get away with it basically so yeah it'll be a bit of a loss there the zeros things obviously just like a fun ephemeral change i think calvin ridley was the first to get out there and say he's going to have the number zero on his jersey for his new team the jaguars um, you know, it's an interesting decision by Ridley, who's also been making some. Obviously, he is very regrets greatly. For the amount of dollars I will be gambling on NFL this year, I swear. Well, you know, someone made a similar joke, and he basically said, "I obviously regret all the gambling, but I did make a bunch of money when I did the gambling." So, you know, his uh, his comments on that were a little bit contradictory to his uh, very. Uh, very very conciliatory noises. I think the TNF stuff is obviously a huge thing. Like you know, you know, obviously now that teams can have up to two TNF games, you might see different teams being prioritised there. Like TNF is obviously 
technically it's a primetime game, but the quality of the games has been relatively low, let's be perfectly frank. A lot of Jaguars versus Titans matchups. But now that Amazon is the broadcasting partner there and you know there's a non-trivial chance the owner of amazon could be an nfl owner in the in the near future it doesn't look you know 100 percent or even that likely but bezos has certainly been associated with the commander's organization and their sales process you know that's something that they obviously want to prioritize and the majority of the owners are for it but you need two-thirds of the owners to actually get it through so what I expect would happen is that the motion that they put forward uh, here, that they'll probably add in some additional restrictions, things like maybe you need more lead-in time, like a month instead of two weeks, or maybe it'll only be restricted, more restrictive in which weeks are eligible, like just to the you know the key, like December um, kind of dates or something like that. But based on where the money is and where the votes are, despite the productizations of people using similar things that you talked about there, Connor, like Jerry Reese, the um, the Giants owner, was very against it on the terms you're saying and how unfair mm-hmm. it would be on the fans who actually go to the stadium. You know, this... You know, I would say the chances of this coming is, is, is high, basically. On the other hand, you see stuff like the onside kick reform and the reviewable roughing the passer basically get spiked straight away. But when things can make you more money in the NFL these days and with the new generation of owners coming through, more often than not, it's eventually going to happen. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see. Like like I said, it's there's a lot of them there, and, and, and I think it's it's worth noting as well that it wasn't even just that they had a lot of people voting against, it was that they, I think they had two or three that they were abstaining from the vote that they think are ones that are kind of obviously more convincible round because uh, they were quite close to it. So I would expect, like you said, to see that coming in in a bit. Uh, let's move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Uh, apparently not felonies this time around. Uh, prospect Jalen Carter has pled no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing. Um, as you remember, we talked about this previously. Those uh, resulted in the death of a teammate. Um, they got 12 months probation, a $1,000 fine and 80 hours of community service. Um and uh, Houston have lost a fifth rounder and been fined $175,000 for salary cap violations uh, due to a compensation that they were giving to quarterback Deshaun Watson. So this was that they gave him uh, athletic facility membership. Basically, they paid for him to have access to a training facility. And they said, well, and, and to be honest, look, there's a lot with the Deshaun Watson stuff that's horrible and terrible. This, to be honest, feels a little bit weirdly overreachy for the for the for the NFL because what Houston had was they didn't have access to training facilities, as they said, because of COVID protocols or something along those lines. So they provided an alternative to your man to train in. And that's where this like though that should have been counted as as compensation. And you kinda of go, Really? Like it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like a huge thing to me, but uh maybe maybe I'm just missing out on something. Maybe it's a slippery slope thing. But um yeah, like a fifth rounder isn't a huge amount and 170 grand is nothing to these companies but like it just seems like a weird one to go after them on uh, yeah yeah like look like Deshaun Watson obviously Houston are glad that he is gone and obviously got a lot of competition with the Browns for them so you know if they lose a fifth rounder for what they did previously they'll probably take that now of course this does intersect with some of the reports that came around how Houston were facilitating uh, Deshaun Watson and moving around to different facilities after, you know, getting uh, sexual harassment claims against them from people who were involved in massage therapy. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it kind of intersects with some bad stuff happening. And, you know, there's a recent, just this week, um, there was uh, an attempt to force him to uh, give testimony in one of the ongoing civil cases against them uh, by a former massage therapist. So, you know, once again, kind of bad, evil kind of stuff going up in here, but, uh, 
you know, this is probably the tail end of, of you know, like th- this kind of stuff coming out. Uh, or at least you would assume so if Deshaun Watson is not a complete fucking idiot. Um, as for Jalen Carter, I think the big thing with that, and we'll talk about Jalen Carter more in the next podcast when we yeah. preview the draft prospects, is that this kind of clears out the legal situation. It's unlikely he will now face any uh, additional uh, criminal issues and certainly any kind of suspension or stuff like that. But, you know, it kind of intersects with some issues. He had a poor pro day uh, where he was out of shape and couldn't get through his drills fully, um, where his stock has fallen significantly, I would say, uh, from where it was uh, just a month or two ago. Uh, but for him, getting this off the board at least means that there won't be any uncertainty about his availability uh, for an NFL team going forward. Uh, we have a couple of injury updates. San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy had UCL surgery and it went successful. He's expected to be throwing by June, July, which means he should be in line to be there for the second half or the tail end of, of, of mini camps and to be competing for that starting job. Uh, and free agent tight end Foster Moreau uh, was discovered to have Hodgins lymphoma, uh, which means he's going to be gone for the next season. It was found during a routine medical uh, when he was visiting New Orleans uh, and obviously looked terrible thing to be happening great that they actually found it and great that he was able to get it now and they are relatively positive on the outlook for that um but yeah no it's interesting because i, I mean, immediately made me think of eric berry as well but uh yeah no it's uh essentially got a good news for brock purdy as well for san francisco fans although i suppose uh depends on whether you you see potential quarterback controversy as being uh positive news <laughs> well he's clearly going to be sitting on the bench watching sam darnold next year i mean we all we all know it <laughs> Yeah, like, look, with the Brock Purdy situation, they're saying they're optimistic right now, but we know with this injury that it can have long-term effects. So, look, there's a chance he's back and he's a starter. Certainly, they're up, they're, they're bigging him up as the favourite to be starter, but obviously Trey Lance is coming back from injury. Sam Darnold's now in there. And so we'll see what the quarterback situation plays out. That's going to be one of those, uh, you know, storylines that's going to play off, you imagine, throughout the entire uh, preseason. As for Foster Moreau, obviously, just... As, you know, obviously, as we know, with cancer, early diagnosis is incredibly important, and the fact that he uh, surreptitiously managed to have found this by the New Orleans Saints uh, doctor um, is obviously a huge thing. John Amos, and I think John Amos, he had actually diagnosed John Dorenbos, the long snapper, uh, with a heart issue uh, several years previously. I think there was even one other situation uh, where the Saints uh, he had found some other medical condition with another player. So, you know, like uh, that's obviously a doctor who you know does invest a lot. You know, a significant. You know, invest a lot into caring about the people that he's um you know taking care of and obviously foster moreau we hope all the best for him like we've had we hope we've seen players come back from cancer thankfully in recent years and we hope that it's been caught early that he'll get the appropriate um treatment and that he'll hopefully be able to play football again yeah that would be good hopefully for him uh sean's a couple of retirements here kind of a bit of a, a end of an era kind of style thing for new england so safety Devin mccordy's retired after 13 seasons very helped him to three super bowl wins two-time pro bowler 971 tackles and 46 turnovers and donta hightower the linebacker retires after nine seasons uh, again three super bowl wins two-time pro bowler 569 tackles 27 sacks and three turnovers uh, these are two big name players from the kind of history of new england uh, obviously there's a lot of turnover within that organization we've had a couple of chats about like is this a full rebuild what's the plan here and that kind of stuff but this is like this is the tail end of that kind of era of player kind of coming off the roster now is it yeah i mean it's it's kind of shed a tear and remember the memories obviously there were two players who were a huge part of that three three super bowls in five years streak between 
2014 and 2018. And given how important defense is to the Belichick system and how important these kind of big players are, are, are part of that uh, idea, this is definitely an end of an year in that sense. Um, and it really does, it kind of does bring it close to that whole thing. There really isn't, not, there's not much, aside from Bill himself, I suppose, at this point, there isn't a tremendous amount to, to, to look back on uh, in terms of legacy. And, I mean, given where the, the franchise is trying to move forward, it's getting into what I imagine is going to be a bit of a, a dark age uh, for Pats fans and the uncertainty of whether they'll ever get back. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it just to, just to you know, you know, to pour one out for the boys and 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 thank them for their for their hard work. McCourty, especially, uh, I always loved him. Um, he was such a, a huge part uh, of that secondary. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely an end of an era. And uh, yeah, just uh, don't think about what it means for the future right now. Just think about what it means for the past. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I think like someone like McCourty could potentially make the Hall of Fame, kind of as a indicator of what was obviously such a successful period in for the New England Patriots and that defense. Uh, uh, you know, these are kind of two players at two positions where the stats don't really do justice to the influence that they had in their mm. position. And particularly McCordy, one of the smartest and most influential like uh, safeties of his generation. Um, it's just hard to make stats that, that pop off the page based on that position. Yeah, and Hightower had a number of particularly impressive playoff runs uh, in him. So uh, big, big difference maker when it was important for them. Let's have a look at some bits of movement uh, of the upcoming season. So we've had a pick trade. Uh, Carolina have traded for the traded their first uh, round pick, which is the number nine overall. A second round pick, a 2024 first, a 2025 second, and wide receiver DJ Moore for the first overall pick from Chicago. Um, this is obviously a big, ballsy move, saying, look, we want to come up here and we want to... Uh, pick well, you gotta I think it has to be their quarterback in the future if they're gonna spend that kind of money on it the bit that uh, the bit that surprised me was they went up I think on the face of this this feels like a bit of an overpay but I suppose if you get if, if they if they get their guy there's no such thing really as an overpay if you get your guy but uh, they traded up and then within about six hours of having traded up they then <laughs> publicly announced that they were also in the market if anyone wanted to trade up because they have two or three people that they like the look of if anyone really wants to get ahead of them on it which is a bit of a bizarre one for me um i like this haul for chicago i think it was pretty smart i'm surprised they didn't hold off to a little bit closer towards the draft as i think there were a couple of people interested uh but i think the the the, the getting the number one wide receiver thrown in kind of helps them an awful lot with it uh what do we think like i think chicago come out the better in this trade like i think getting it done now kind of makes sense or around the time it was done because then they could have more certainty over what the draft situation is the entered uh, free agency or the kind of relevant mm. part of free agency so i think the timing made enough sense and i think they got some key things that they wanted they obviously got two first round picks they got two second round picks and i think dj moore obviously is a guy who's been a kind of pro bowl caliber i would say wide receiver in terms of talent obviously somewhat unused in carolina with the quarterback carousel they've had but i think obviously given the situation where they have where they have a franchise quarterback or certainly believe they have one in justin fields and they've been mm. desperate to put things around them that will help him hopefully take that next step up you see the trade for chase claypool last during the season last year you know i think 
when they got DJ Moore, and it sounds like they were like Carolina did not want to trade away DJ Moore, but Chicago were basically like, you need to throw him in to make this happen. I think once he went in there and the trade conversation alongside, that's pretty juicy as well. I think that's what pushed them over the edge. I think there's a lot of shadow boxing as usual around these kind of trade things, and there's rumors that Chicago were thinking of trading down to number two at Houston and then trading down again to Carolina because Carolina, as you said, seemed to be okay with a couple of the options and they seemed to be okay with Bryce, uh, Stroud, sorry, with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, potentially even Anthony Richardson. Um, but obviously Carolina, they did not want to get gazumped, uh, you know, so they you know, made the move when they had to make the move, you know, just uh, remove that uncertainty, which teams like the Colts are still left with. Obviously, we'll talk a lot more about this in the draft preview podcast. But I think for Carolina, look, quarterback is such a vital position that you do, like, you know, if you get the right guy, pretty much any uh, payment is worth it. Um, but obviously, it'll leave them in a situation where, you know, they've had to probably overpay for some guys to kind of fill in the gaps that have been left uh, on a kind of not a great offensive roster. Uh, so the first year, you know, it won't be, won't be Justin Fields bad, uh, but it probably won't be the easiest ride for a guy. So they better have a guy who can, you know, live with that challenge uh, going forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I think on, on average, Chicago probably got the better overall value. But when you have the number one overall pick, if you don't get the better overall value, then you pretty much fucked up, I would yeah. say. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I think it's impossible to judge the value of this trade. I mean, you, I think you, you can do the analytics and you can decide what, what are each of these picks work on average and DJ Moore, et cetera, et cetera. And you can try and maybe, you know, look at the pure numbers. But it's such – the variance is so high. I mean, obviously, they're trying to draft Peyton Manning, basically. That's what you're you're aiming for. Um, and the variance of that is so high that, you know, if it's, if it works, as, as, as Ronan says, if it works, any price – uh, you pay is is low enough. If it doesn't work, then you've always overpaid. Like like it, there is, it's very much a boomer bust. And I think the Panthers have certainly set themselves up in a scenario where, in two or three years' time, you know this trade will be either looked out as the beginning of a new Panthers era or as a horrible mistake that destroyed the franchise for you know X number of years. Um, and I don't think there's a middle ground there. And as, as a result, I don't think we, we can really tell. I, th- I think we can only really judge this trade. And I know you shouldn't, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, use results to, to analyze things. You're supposed to base it on probabilities or whatever um, when judging things in advance. I just don't think we can really know if this was a good idea or not, if unless it turns out that Bryce Young or CJ Trout is, you know, the next Peyton Manning, basically. Um, yeah. Look, Sean, we've been through this. This is podcast. You need hot takes, not balanced <laughs> well, analysis. Like, I would say, you know, obviously, Carolina hired Frank Reich to be the new head coach. They saw what happened when he was left to, you know, kind of go through the QB carousel and try to find value at quarterback uh, for multiple years, and he ends up getting fired there. So, you know, Frank Reich now will get the guy and he will be given presumably at least two years hopefully three years to figure out if he can make that guy work and if he doesn't uh, a bunch of people are going to get fired but at least there's certainty i suppose so uh you can predict what can happen going forward and if they get it right then you know there could be a very healthy relationship and look you know in the nfc south the competition is not exactly hot so uh, the levels of success required to have a reasonable year one probably aren't that high to be frank yeah. This is this is the weight around their neck and however whatever happens everything will be judged in reference to this trade basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's it. Swing for the fences. 
couple of extensions that happened. Tennessee defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons got a four-year, $94 million contract. Washington defensive tackle Deron Payne got a four-year, $90 million contract. And Houston re-upped offensive tackle Laramie Tunstall, three years, $75 million, I believe, resetting the tackle market, if I remember correctly. Uh, and just a notable cut that came as well. Uh, Zeke Elliott is no longer going to be the Dallas Cowboys, although there's a chance he might come back on a cheap deal now following an initial run at free agency. Uh, any of these jump out at you? I know that Tunsil was being talked about on the trade market because I know the Chiefs were sniffing around him, um, but he gets paid, and I think deservedly so. It's funny to think that you know he's, he's in this spot having fallen off draft boards because of his, uh, his, his, his gas mask bong photo that came out the day before the draft. Yeah, and obviously, there, you know, famously, uh, when he went into the Miami uh, front office and he saw the compensation Houston was offering, he says, "I'd take that." So you know, he's obviously a a singular individual, we'll say, uh, but a you know a very good left tackle. And obviously, Houston are likely to be picking their quarterback of the future, so having a franchise left tackle makes sense. Um, so the trade rumors, I'm sure people were calling up, but it doesn't sound like Houston were that interested. And obviously with new head coach, they didn't really want to undermine him before he got started. As for Jeffrey Simmons and Deron Payne, the big thing here is it's basically a reset of the uh, defensive tackle market. Um, you know, basically, if unless you're Donald, of course, if you're in that second tier of non-binary, not the greatest defensive player of all time, then this is basically the new benchmark. And obviously, guys who can do things in the middle, guys who can create pressure up the middle are always going to be highly valued. And that's reflected in the contracts given to these guys, but also to some of the guys in free agency. As for Zeke, like, I think he's only like, what, 28, 29 or something like that. So he isn't even that old. But in running back terms, he, he you know, in dog years, whatever you want to say, uh, I would imagine outside of being a good mentor and a short uh like short distance kind of guy his time as being a you know notable name in the nfl is pretty much over yeah i think zeke elliott's entire career it's like a perfect microcosm of what's happened to the running back you know as as a position as, as a career in recent times i mean it's you know it's five years ago he was the the hot new thing and he had you know two or three really good years uh, people were talking about, but then suddenly you don't have a couple of good years, there's another player coming through and suddenly you're very expendable very quickly. Um, and certainly it's like, you can imagine someone like Emmett Smith, for example, would not have been had such job security nowadays as he did back then. You kind of have to constantly be on the, on, on, on the production line making, making your yards. And if you have one or two bad seasons and you're, you know, you know, it, it becomes a problem and everything else becomes a problem uh, around you. So it's just, it's interesting to see that it, they're one of the, in terms of like name players, running backs are one of the most well-known players, say casuals, but they are so expendable these days. Um, it, it's kind of much more so than a wide receiver or a quarterback or even a star defensive player. They're so much more expendable simply because the once you fall off that cliff um, and your value is gone, you're, you're basically useless to your team. Uh, yeah, and and remember... Zeke's one of the lucky ones, right? Like teams have looked at Zeke and they've gone, we're not going to do that, basically. <laughs> um, so he's kind of like between him and Le'Veon Bell and the situation that it's where he tried to extract value for his name when he was at his peak, you know, the, the future for the running back position is pretty goddamn grim. Okay, well, that'll wrap up our news for this week. We'll move over and have a look at a couple of the bits of big moves that have happened in free agency. 
Okay, so we're going to take a look at a couple of uh, teams that have made some kind of bigger, interesting moves, talk through them a little bit, and then we'll move back down to like the movers and shakers by position. So if your team is still in the hunt for a wide receiver or looking for a defensive end, who's out there and what, what, what might be available or what big moves have already happened. So um, let's move in and start off. This one goes out to Richard. This is going to be the New York Jets. So... They've been moving heaven and earth to try and pick up all of the pieces to make a perfect little home for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers has said he wants to come and play for the Jets this year. He's expecting a trade to happen. He's allowing Green Bay and the Jets to work out what that compensation looks like. Uh, although it's, it's an interesting, it feels very much like a spot of just people waiting for the other one to blink. Because like... Rodgers doesn't want to play for the Packers, so there's minimal value. But, you know, they still own his rights and they want to extract what they can. Uh... In an effort to attract him, he they've brought in Alan Lazard on a four-year, $44 million contract. Uh, Tim Boyle, so he knows there's no pressure. Uh, <laughs> offensive coordinator Hackett is in there. Uh, they've also then, obviously, to try and gear up for the trade because the guys are going to need uh, draft picks, not money. Uh, they've traded away Elijah Moore, and they've got a second-round pick that can now be used as part of that. Um, they've added a few other pieces. But will we'll we start with the Aaron Rodgers side of things here? Um I'm presuming we're all expecting it's going to happen. Uh, do we think it's the right call, and do we like this addition of like his old players around him? Uh, yeah, it's. Mm, I, I think it will happen. Uh, I think they'll they'll eventually the Packers will just you know they obviously want to punish him because the whole thing their relationship has fallen apart, but they will eventually see that it's better to get whatever they're going to get from for not. Is it the best thing for the Jets? I, you know, it's a weird one if. If Zach Wilson was just a little bit better, you could maybe talk about how it's better to invest in your young quarterback and develop him, et cetera, et cetera. But the Jets are ready to go right now on both sides of the ball. They've got an amazing young core of, of defense on an offense, and all they really are missing is a quarterback. And if Aaron Rodgers becomes available and wants to go play in, in, you know, in New York, you got to take it, even though it's probably only one or two years, it's probably might damage your you know viability two or three years down the line because you have to find a new quarterback or whatever but I kind of feel like if this team was less advanced along its its trajectory and or or and or if they're they're you know the the QB they drafted second pick uh, a few years ago was better you you wouldn't be you wouldn't think this was a good idea but just this one unique scenario I think it makes sense to try and bring in Aaron Rodgers even with all the the toxicity around his personality and the the circus that he's going to bring and the fact that you're probably only going to get two good years out of him um, the Jets can win a Super Bowl with him um, and so I think they need to, to go for it. I, I'm less keen on the the Alan Lazar thing. Is so weird. Like he was complaining, or like, you know, implicitly complaining about the quality of his wide receivers, including Alan Lazard last year. Like Alan Lazard was his wide receiver one, and it took him about ten weeks before he even trusted to, to throw the ball to him. And now he's the guy who's going to, you know, it. That one makes less sense to me. The Natalian Hackett thing is is uh, it either works or it doesn't work. Um, and obviously, you know, with the, the Either way, that's gone in the past. I don't know. But, yeah, I think overall, given where the Jets are, you have to take this gamble, even though you know what the price is that you're going to pay down the line. Because there, there, is, a, there is a really good chance you win, you win a ring um, from this scenario. Like the Jets are traditionally a fuck up franchise. Uh, sorry, Richard. Uh, like it's just the truth. Like they just generally are bad more often than they are good, except for you know very early in the, in the existence of the NFL. 
and it's a long time since they had Joe Namath. Um, and I think like this, this, you know, this is another team we're going to talk about in a moment, but this does have a smell of what happened to Denver last year where the team was basically being pulled by the nose by the quarterback and that they've made decisions that are basically around appeasing the quarterback, which kind of worked for Green Bay for a little bit in the LaFleur era. But obviously we saw last year that the it seemed like the tread had finally fallen off the tire and, you know, the whole thing didn't really make sense. And, you know, you're throwing away young, cheap players like Elijah Moore. I know he had issues in the locker room, um, but, you you know, you, I suppose you got a second round pick, so it's not too bad. But, you know, you're, you're you're basically going all in for a two-year thing on a team which has young pieces, which was growing slowly, and like the idea that you know you'll get in, Gar- you know, Garrett Wilson is there and Brees Hall's there, and the in theory have a good offensive line, and you just pop in Rodgers and the whole thing will just go from day one. Like I'm a little bit more skeptical, and of course, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and the and the Packers and the whole situation, like there's like a probably you know very unlikely, but don't you know it's still not impossible that this whole thing just falls apart explosively because it's the Jets and you know I look at the changes that they've made and I don't really have any issue with them but like the defense loses a couple of contributors in Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Sherber Shepard and you know like the defense was good last year but more often than not defenses tend to regress to the mean and certainly the first few years under Salah weren't that great on defense he obviously was great from San Francisco but everyone seems to do well in the San Francisco defense and you know they pick up some nice role players in Michael Hardman and Wes Scheister and Chuck Clark I think uh, I think it's actually a solid pickup but you know I look at this roster I look at the Aaron Rodgers situation and I kind of go yes if everything comes together it could be a Super Bowl team but in my opinion, there's just as much chance that things go wrong in this off season, but things start going wrong in the in, in the actual season if Brees Hall has an injury or uh, guys have injuries again. And Aaron Rodgers just isn't at it. He was 90% retired, according to him, before he went to his darkness retreat. It just it just feels like the off. Maybe they can get that one good year like they got out of Brett Favre back in the day, but there's just a good chance that they get the you know Brett Favre who couldn't throw a football in his final year guy as well. So. You know, for the Jets, high risk, high reward. Uh, we'll see if it works out, but I wouldn't be the, the most optimistic on that uh, approach to things, to be honest. Yeah, like this is the thing. There's a lot of decent pieces coming back. We have to remember, you know, they had top-end running back, they had top-end safety, they had top-end wide receiver play coming out of their rookies. They have a lot of good pieces around. My concern is actually probably Rodgers rather than anything else. Like, Rodgers looked to be regressing quite hard last year, and I know he looked a little bit better towards the tail end and stuff, but, like, you know, if he's a guy who needs, as you said there, uh, Ronan, kind of a system-fit confidence in his players around him, needs to know them pretty well, like, I'm not sure that's necessarily what he's going to get here. Um, Like, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, Like, the thing is, if... If this if this Jets team was in the NFC, I would pencil them into the playoffs. I think, um, but because it's the AFC, I think it's it's tough. And I suppose it's that question of like what what more can you do? They had an excellent draft last year. They're bringing in what they think is their best talented quarterback to get there. Like if I was them, I would be probably pitching very hard at bringing in Lamar Jackson instead of Aaron Rodgers. But that's that's me and 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 not them. Um, but overall, like. I know we're not doing our full previews yet, but so far, out of 10, what would you give their off-season so far, their, their free agency moves? Well, <laughs> well, we'll presume that the <laughs> Rodgers deal gets done. And we'll assume that's for like a... I, like, I think what they're saying, compensation is probably a second this year and then maybe a conditional, conditional first next year. Yeah, conditional um, yeah, if he does two years or something. Yeah, if he actually does well this year, then they get a first. The Packers get their next first. So assuming something in that area... Yeah. Like I'd probably give them like a five, but 
like they had such a good offseason last year that I suppose if you combine those two, then it's still on a positive uh, trajectory. Um, but I'm not sure if it's positive enough to to have lift off as, as uh, if you can pardon the pun. Fair enough. What about yourself, Sean? I mean, it's it's very much you know black or white here, risk or risk reward, could boom or bust. But I I, I got to be optimistic, and I got to say it's like if the Rogers thing works, if the Rogers thing happens at the price that seems to be happening, I think it's an eight. I think he's he I think he elevates this team to uh, an AFC contender um, straight away. Um, and I, I, I get the he had one bad, he had a bad season, but also he was incredibly demotivated last year because he was just sick of the Packers and the Packers were sick of him and they traded away his, his best friend. Uh, and yeah, it's I, I think he'll I think he'll come to New York. You'll get at least a year of motivation made of motivated play out of him. I think he, I don't think he's fallen off the cliff yet. I, I think he gets them pretty close to the AFC Championship. Yeah, like as much as, as much as I'm not crazy up on the Rogers thing, I think there's the chance for him to do it, and I I like the fact that they're just going. You know what? We're not going to just run out Zach Wilson for another year. I think that's a massive positive, and I think at least points towards development. So I'd I'd put them similarly yourself, Sean, more in the positive. I'd probably be about a seven. Um, <clears throat> Chicago up next. They're building around quarterback Justin Fields, deciding that that is where they want to stay for now. The trade for the number one pick brought in DJ Moore, which kind of gives them that number one threat that they weren't really they didn't really get the production out of Claypool last year after acquiring. And they've added offensive lineman Knight Davis, Robert Tanyan on a one-year deal, Deontay Foreman on a one-year deal, Travis Homer on a two-year deal. Like there's a couple of couple of nice pieces being added in then there. Uh, they've done a lot of an overhaul of the defense, or well, they've added a couple of pieces. And I think there'd be some concerns about whether or not they're paying a little bit too much for some of the some of the pieces. So Tremaine Edwards. JJ Edwards, Marcus Walker, Andrew Billings, and a few others have come in, uh, and they've cleared out a few pieces that maybe weren't quite up to scratch. Dave Montgomery's gone, Riley Reef, Nick Morrow. Um, the big one is obviously look, they're going to have a lot of draft picks coming in, so there's going to be a lot of youth coming onto this team as well. So it'll be hard to judge their off season entirely until we see that, given the draft is going to be such a large part of that. Um, I'm mixed on the Justin Fields decision. I kind of, I kind of like it because I think he's exciting at times. But then whenever you go and you watch the tape and you look at it, it's like he's he's not a very good passer. <laughs> like he's really just not a very good passer. So I do, I look at it and go, DJ Moore is a good pickup, and then I go, yeah, but who, are they going to throw the ball? Is Justin Fields going to start throwing deep balls? Like I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm worried that this is like Chicago sitting in purgatory. Uh, to a certain extent they're going to sit here they'll be all right and they'll win seven or eight games maybe like it all depends on them getting a good draft class out of it but like in terms of what they've done in free agency i like the trade pickup uh i kind of like the tanyan thing but i've always just kind of i've always rated him a little bit higher uh than i think he on, on reflection he actually deserves so like it's okay for me on from chicago I don't think they've done anything to massively change my opinion of them is the thing. Like, I like that they definitely seem to have a vision now. I'm just not sure if I agree with that vision. Yeah, like, look, like this is year one of a rebuild, right? Like, you know, it's kind of weird when you have your quarterback and they're coming into their second year. But the reality is, is that this is a this is a rebuild situation. Their team last year was basically talentless. They basically had nothing except for Justin Fields doing magic bullshit to make their offense go. And their defense, after a period of being okay, had declined to something embarrassing overall. So, obviously, Matt Eberflus comes in and he gives a lot of money on the defense. So, Tremaine Edmonds, I think... 
probably a little bit overpaid, but I suppose if if you believe this guy can be the kind of quarterback of your defense as the inside linebacker, then that's a good thing to have as like a starting piece. But you know, we'll see. I think you know he was pretty good for Buffalo, but you know they obviously weren't willing to to pay up this much, and compared to other contracts at, at linebacker, it's a little bit much. I think T.J. Edwards. It's a much more reasonable price for a guy who had a really good year with Philly last year uh, after being somewhat underwhelming earlier in his career. And Demarcus Walker and Andrew Billings and Rasheen Green are reasonable pickups. Like, like I think they overpaid for Tremaine Edmonds, but overall, despite having so much cap space, it doesn't feel like they've gone stupid, stupid with the cap space spending. And obviously, they'll be rolling over more money for the future. Whereas, you know, and we've seen, like, you know, like I know spending and getting better is all better. But we see a team like Jacksonville, which this year was a little bit cap constrained, despite still being, you know, still very much, you know, in the kind of growth phase of becoming a contender. You know, that being stupid with your money does have some costs. And I think you know, Chicago have avoided that. So I'm generally okay with them. And I think the pieces that they've added in offense, obviously DJ Moore, I think is huge. Because, like, you know, I, like, yes, there are questions about Justin Fields as a passer. He think he, at college level, he was a good passer. People seem to recognize that. And he was just a situation where the wide receiver core last year was shit. Um, we'll see if he can develop there. And, you know, if the offensive line can be better. And I imagine they're going to invest a lot of picks into the offensive line alongside the free agent pickup Nate Davis. Then that can help them get that back on track. It just feels, to be fair, was under a lot of pressure very quickly last season as well. So, you know, we'll see if he can be that guy. And I think the other pickups, like Robert Tonyan, a solid tight end, and then you go with Cole Komet, I think they have a good tandem there. A tight end, Dante Foreman, I think it's just like a really nice pick cheek up. He, he looked good for uh, Carolina last year. He can go with the other guys in there and they'll probably pick up someone in the draft as well. And Travis Homer is really good in pass protection. He's a specialist. You're not paying that much for it, uh, but he's a guy who you can put beside uh, fields in, in passing situations and hopefully he gets hit just a little bit less. So, look, you know, they get rid of guys like Montgomery, who has been very underwhelming in recent years. Riley Reef is just one of those guys that why do you ever have them? Uh, similar to Nick Morrow. So I think, is it the most like, oh my God, they're now contender situation? No. Uh, but in the NFC, obviously, you know, you don't have to be great to be potentially be in the playoff hunt. Uh, but I think for a team which obviously has a lot of pressure to turn things around and has the franchise quarterback, a kind of solid off season like this uh, as phase one makes sense to me. And I'm happy enough that this is potentially building to something if Eberflus can put this together. And I think, you know, the floor is so low compared to what you saw last year that you know they will probably benefit from the low expectations uh, buff that the teams sometimes get when they get a new coach. Yeah, I mean, given where the the Bears were last year in terms of the, in terms of that low floor you talked about, given that they had a number one pick which they could transfer into a number of other picks, and given that they had all this cap space, it's very difficult to imagine the Bears not improving this offseason. Like they they had so much space to work with that you know. Any, you know, almost anything they would have done would have made the team better. So the question is, does this team, is it, have they made the team as much better as they could have? And I mean, I think the jury's a little, out a little bit. I mean, the, the line stuff, I, I like some of the additions on the line. I, there's a lot of online love at the moment for, for Nate Davis on, on the offensive side and, and Edmonds and Walker as good additions on, on, the, on the defensive side. Um, the DJ Moore thing I like, but again, I do have the problem that it, it's, 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 you know, we, it's weird. We've been talking when Fields was doing his thing. Is it wouldn't be great if they surrounded Fields with some pieces, and now they have surrounded Fields with some pieces, and now we're asking, well, can he actually throw the ball to them? And it's he had that you know four, three or four a week flash where he looked like the the new the next best thing in quarterback play, and it then it kind of dropped off a bit after that. So I mean, the 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 jury's still out on Fields in that sense, but now at least he can't. No one can say, well, he hasn't been given. He hasn't. They haven't built a team around him. They they have done their absolute 
utmost to build a competitive team. The NFC North could be a bit of a disaster area next year. I mean, aside from the, the you know the, the Vikings are up and down. The Lions were obviously a lot of potential, but they did have a you know they didn't you know they also you know started the season one and six last year, and the Packers could be in a bit of a, a hole post Rogers. So it's an interesting scenario to be in where they do look like they could advance forward. I don't think we'll really know until we see how they drafted and see how it all comes together. I think it's an improvement. I I think the jury's still out about how much an improvement this is. I think this pushes them maybe up to the fringe of the playoffs, but I don't think it makes them a playoff team. I certainly don't think it makes them a, a contending team. And, and I, I think the best we can hope for if you're a Bears fan is that it's a multi-year thing. This is year one of a three-year plan to, to build a really good team around around Justin Fields because right now this, this feels incomplete. Uh, and I think there's there's is, there's more to be seen about where this goes. We'll take it without the without the the draft having happened yet. So far in free agency, what do you rate them, Sean? I'll give them a, a six and a half, hmm. seven if you want to round up. But yeah, I I'm in that it's av- it's above average kind of area. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's... I, s- similar for me, seven. But I think like the big thing is like when you have a new regime in, you just want to avoid doing dumb stuff. But I think the general concept of building around Justin Fields and seeing what he can do um, in year in his next year is, is, is the right thing to do. So, you know, just don't, never don't go full dumb, you know? Yeah. I'm a little bit more, uh, a little bit more reserved on this one. So I'll go five and a half. Uh, next up, let's look at the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton has come in and decided, Hey, Russell Wilson, you're no longer the most important person in the room. Um, so they've decided to do a bit of a turnover on the roster. Uh, although I think we, we can discuss whether or not we think it is actually an improvement or not. Um, offensive line, they've added Mike McGlinchey, five years, 87 million. Ben Powers, four years, 51 million. And Kyle Fuller on a one-year, $1 million. So they're kind of obviously trying to fix the uh, the 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 line now be that because you thought the line was not great or be it because the line refused to pick up Russell Wilson whenever he got knocked down last year <laughs> so they needed to get rid of them uh, they've also added like Jared Stidham uh, to the quarterback room uh, Sanjay Pirai and Chris Manhertz uh, Michael Burton like a couple of people like this it's you know, it's 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 nothing that's going to get over exciting. But like, remember, you do have things like uh, Patrick is returning from injury this year, coming into them and stuff as well. So like, they do they they will have some more weapons on that offense too. Defensive side of the ball, they get Zach Allen, Trayvon Smith, but they lose Draymond Jones, and there's probably one or two more uh, that are probably going to be going as well. They don't have a lot of draft capital sitting in the house. Uh, remember that they paid quite a lot to get Russell Wilson in there and uh, and to get Sean Payton and to get Sean Payton so yeah, I forgot about that one as well so basically yeah they're in a bit of a hole this is going to be a real like Sean Payton is Sean Payton and we've seen years with the Saints where they've had you know the cupboards were bare and they still managed to pull out a few things so it could definitely could be better I, I think we're, we're classifying the addition of Sean Payton as part of the free agency right yeah, basically. Like they, tra- like, they they traded draft capital for him. It it it, it makes yeah. sense to me. Okay. Um. Yeah. If we're including that in the metrics, I think they've done well. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I like a lot of the moves they've made. I think they just had to make a few moves and had to change a few pieces around. And it'll be interesting to see what the power dynamics between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are. But like. Overall, my, my, my stance was I thought that the roster that the that the Broncos had last year was not actually that bad. I just thought that uh, the coaching didn't know what the fuck they were doing with it, and Russell Wilson was pants. Um, 
and that's kind of that was the problem with them not their roster um so like i think the defense will probably be a little bit less good i think the offense will be flat to hopefully improving because sean payton's going to be scheming it up uh i i don't see i don't see much in the people ever says mike mcglinchey's good but like i don't see much in the in the moves here that gets me overly excited um apart from the fact that i think the structures surrounding the team are going to be a bit different yeah I'm, i'm kind of on that same page as you that on paper, this doesn't really look all that spectacular, and it's so much of it is is so much of any positivity I think Broncos fans can have. What is Sean Payton's coming in, and that will automatically make the team better. He will figure out the Russell Wilson thing. He will make the what is quite a talented roster click in ways that they didn't click last year, and everything will be better result. I expect the Broncos to be better this year than last year, but I think largely that will be a function of. Peyton's input and what he does because the players they've added I mean you think about the two big upgrades say on the on the the offensive line McGlinchey and Powers yes you know good players to be added in but you know overpriced for what they're getting and then everyone else is a bit meh I mean the most exciting one is maybe Samaj P. Ryan who you know did some exciting things for the Bengals last year and, and looks like he he could be an interesting addition the he also has thing. an incredible mustache <laughs> the Jared Siddham thing is I hope he's not expecting to compete or I hope they're not expecting him to compete he with had that one good game because, remember uh, yeah that's that's not happening uh, I, I, I honestly with the Broncos again they're in a really tough division I think the only way they're going to get out they're going to make an impact next season is if Russell Wilson rediscovers how to play football um, and I don't think anything else is going to solve the problem but I, but I trust Peyton to do that other than that it kind of feels like rearranging your deck chairs a little bit um, but given that they did have on paper a really good team last year and now they have much better coaching, I do think that will make them a better team. Um, but I think any any upswing that they're going to get next year is largely going to be Sean Payton instead of Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, like I'm just not high on down. Obviously we'll talk about this as we go through the our team by T previews, but like I look at the changes they're making here. Okay. Like Mike McGlinchey, he's a solid right tackle, but you're paying him a lot of money. And you know, you're probably at the same time, probably dropping someone like Dalton Reiser, who admittedly did not have a good time with uh, Russell Wilson last year, but you're basically going to probably have a downgrade at the interior offensive line. So I'm not sure how much of a, you know, upgrade you're having. Like Garrett Bowles, and uh, like he's obviously solid left tackle. Ben Powers is a solid pickup to a guy who only really had one good year at the Ravens and now is getting, you know, a pretty high contract for a guard. Um, so it's just a situation where I'm looking at this and I'm kind of going, is this not the same mistake that they made last year where they kind of went, no, this, this, this roster is ready to rock. All we need to do is put Sean Payton in there. And last season was like, all we need to do is put Russell Wilson in there. And it just feels like the, the flex tape meme where the guy's just slapping some tape over a hole in a massive water tank. And he's like, there you go. Fixed it. Let's go. And it just kind of feels like Denver feel like a team that they obviously think we're we still got it we're still gonna be good and you know jerry judy's gonna come good and courtland something's gonna be good and javante williams is gonna be healthy again and you know it's and tim matrick's gonna be healthy again and it's all gonna work and you know the defense has been good for years despite the fact we keep losing players all the time and guys like um kareem jackson and ronald darby who they haven't re-signed yet are aging out and i just 
for me, I'm I'm not really buying it, particularly in a division where you know the Chiefs still exist, and therefore the pressure will be certainly on, and you know the Chargers aren't to be completely dismissed and haven't done dumb stuff this offseason, so that's something at least for them. Um, so it's just a situation where I'm going with it, and I guess Sean Payton is definitely an improvement at head coach, but you know I think people forget that there was a long period when he was with the Saints where they were a perpetual seven and nine, eight and eight team, and it was only when they had an infusion of fresh talent with. Um, uh, people like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and uh, the the uh, few other players in the defense that they really turned it around and became a force again. So, you know, this is a team that obviously has no draft capital, obviously has been forced to build through the free agency. I think like the, you know, Denver are a nice, uh, you know, signifier of what free agency is right now. Free agency is useful for filling in gaps. And we'll talk about how what some good teams did in a moment to where they fill gaps that they, like, that they need to fill with good players. But if you need to rebuild a roster, if there's something rotten, in the heart of Denmark um, free agency is very difficult to way to fix things and you know without draft capital this is not a franchise it's not a roster that particularly inspires hope with me and you know spending a bunch of money on a couple of offensive linemen does not really change my opinion on that you know out of all the changes they made the only one I'm kind of okay on is the major pre run I think could actually be a solid uh, backup or even starter for them uh, given the Williams situation and Zach Allen for Draymond Jones I feel is like an equal trade so at least they're not down on that but overall not particularly positive on this offseason for them so far yeah, so uh, with that lovely, lovely uh, ringing endorsement, uh, do you want to put, a, put an arbitrary number on it there? Uh, 3.5 out of 10. Ooh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll go for 6. Okay. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go 3.51, so I'm not quite <laughs> as down as it is, but only marginally. Hey, um, the... The the wins number arbitrages save save it for the off season the previews <laughs> yeah no Janice it's probably it's probably about a four or so because it's one of those are like I think I think they'll be marginally better but I also don't think that it's the free agency hugely that's doing that I think it's just Sean Payton but yeah like being mar- like but like unlike the Bears where it's like look this is a long term thing where the Broncos are right now you know being slightly better going you know finishing five hundred doesn't really get you anywhere no it doesn't and uh you've got like, like i said you've kind of you 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 you've splurged all of your larger draft draft picks so like you don't even really have those things going for you um yeah it's 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 it's, a, it's hard to see a route out but this is the thing they need to this is the year they need to turn russ around or else uh or else you know they need to blow it up and start a proper proper from start um, speaking about blowing Russell Wilson up, let's look at the quarterback markets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, we've kind of talked about him already. A uh, couple of movements in here. Jimmy Garoppolo is now with Vegas, three years, $67.5 million. Ooh, what a surprise. They've gotten an ex-Patriots uh, in there. Uh, Baker Mayfield to Tampa Bay, one year, $8.5 million, looking to compete to be the starter. Jacoby Brissett's now in Washington, one year, $10 million. Sam Darnold, San Francisco, one year, $4.5 million. Uh, Indianapolis got Gardner Minshew, Taylor Heineke to Atlanta, Mike White to Miami, Andy Dalton to Carolina, Marcus Mariota Philly and uh, obviously still sitting there out there is Lamar Jackson ongoing trade trade pay me saga uh, Teddy, recent, te- the most recent transaction maybe spices that up again in terms of whether he's going to stay or not but we'll talk about that now yeah the uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Carson Wentz are also out there uh, I, 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 yeah. we, we need to take Carson Wentz off all these lists like <laughs> We also we also probably need to take Teddy Bridger off these lists. He's also terrible, but for some reason we'll still get a job. So yeah, like like any team that doesn't have a quarterback right now is going to get one in the draft. Is basically where we yeah. are. There's only a handful of teams that need a quarterback in in capital letters, and 
they will all pick them, except for the Colts, who will probably end up signing Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of a bit bit of a mess. I'm like, uh, what do we think? Any of these jump out at you? I like I like. Um... Do I actually know? I like Baker Mayfield's getting a shot at a starter. I don't know if he'll be able to manage it. Is the thing because I imagine the imagine they're going to like apart. yeah, like they've they've nothing left in the tank. I imagine they might be looking at drafting here as well. So like Tampa Bay while reaping. Whoa, this is awesome. Well, sowing. Tampa Bay while reaping. Ow, what the fuck? <laughs> but they got the they, they got the ring. What a ring! Like yeah, yeah. they sold their soul. Yeah. Um, I mean yeah, for me. These are, you know, Garoppolo. I mean, it's weird, like, to go through all the, the various Derek, to piss off Derek Carr so much that he refuses to be traded and then to replace him with Jimmy Garoppolo seems a little bit of a, a slap in the face. I mean, it's hard to see how much of an upgrade that is. Uh, yeah. Baker, obviously, it's a disaster in the books. He's going to, going to be blamed when they start losing, no doubt. Um, the Washington thing is strange. Washington seemed genuinely to be aiming to start Sam Howell because he had one good game when, you know, at the back end of last season. Sam Darnold is going to be, at best, the third, the QB3 in that spot. Uh, yeah, Gardner uh, Minshew could end up position. starting the Colts, maybe. But, yeah, the rest of it I'm not so sure about. It's, yeah, it's, once, this is the problem with the QB market. Once you get it below the elite, it turns into a, an awful lot of goo very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of feels like all these teams are mired in the goo. I'm, a, I'm very disappointed. I was really hoping that the Chiefs would get Gardner Minshew as the backup, particularly at like a one-year, three-point-five million contract. I suppose oh, that's Minshew, great value. Really yeah, like so. I'm sure Minshew's taking that because he knows there's a decent shot of him getting a couple of games in Indianapolis unless they go and get a big ticket name. But like, yeah, I think I think that's the best value on that list by a distance. Yeah, like, look, Jimmy G. Is he a objectively better quarterback than Derek Carr? Probably not. But is he much more better suited to Josh McDaniel's system? Yes. And, you know, like obviously the rumors back in the day that Bill Belichick was the guy who was thinking like maybe we should replace um, Tom Brady with, with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter in the Patriots. But I'm imagining Josh McDaniels was not against that idea either and having a more sustainable future as it felt like at the time. Mm. And he's a guy who should fit into that system better and just be less prone to those like really bad mistakes that Derek Carr feels always prone to and just less of an issue than you know, Jimmy G just sit there, be pretty, uh, and play quarterback, and he's perfectly happy to do that. And then, you know, not show up for the offseason. Baker Mayfield, like, look, you know, they're all hyping up Rashad White right now, and we'll see how well that goes. But like, in theory, they have Mike Evans, they have uh, Chris Godwin, um, and the offensive line should be healthy again. So, mm. if Baker Mayfield has anything, then it's not the worst situation to go to on the offensive side. Like, it's actually not that bad a situation. We'll see if he can kind of reclaim a status as kind of a, a marginal starter. And similar for that, like, you know, Sam Darnold is the QB3 in San Francisco, but based on recent experience, that may be an important position, especially since <laughs> both other options are coming off major injuries. And one of them in, in Brock Purdy is off an injury that could easily kind of keep leaking on into the actual season itself. Yeah. Uh, the Brissett situation, yeah, I think Sam Howell is pretty much penciled in as a starter. But And Sean's right. Like, you know, he, he, he basically played really well against the Dallas backups. But, you know, damn, he beat the snot out of them. So, you know, <laughs> that, that shows them. <laughs> And yeah. I think, you know, given the ownership situation, they're not, they, they generally not want to spend that much money. So, you know, that's probably the next owner's problem to find the quarterback of the future. And then, yeah, Mike White might be a guy who's important given the two a concussion situation. Um, and Andy Dalton with a rookie quarterback will probably be important in terms of mentorship. Maybe he can establish himself as like the poor man's Alex Smith going forward as that guy. Everyone's like, oh, he's great for having in the locker room and getting guys up to speed. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Uh, skill positions, let's kind of go running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we discussed the DJ Moore stuff already. Um, Darren Waller is on the move over to New York, so he's joining the Giants. Uh, they trade a third-round pick to Vegas for him. A bit of an interesting move here, given he was he only got paid like 10 months ago by Oakland, by Vegas. Um and there's a little bit of a little bit of kind of a circularity going on of I believe the third round pick that's going to Vegas for this is the comp third round pick that the Chiefs sent to the Giants for Kadarius Tony. So uh just kind of moving all around uh but yeah, so Darren Waller over there, a new weapon for them. Uh, they seem to be kind of, you know, they, 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 they've extended a few of their boys. They're kind of running it back. Uh, the other big name, I suppose, would be Odell Beckham has uh, joined Baltimore in a one-year $15 million deal. Now, it says one-year $15 million. There are four void years in this contract. So uh, I believe he's counting something like $3 million against the cap this year. Uh, but that was, they're basically just kind of going, well, we can pay for it later. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Fitz might be worth flagging now at this point I suppose when we're talking about this Lamar Jackson situation this is an interesting signal flare that's gone up so this is we're going to get a, a, a relatively high name notoriety piece to be a wide receiver for you which is possibly a route to trying to get Lamar back on board uh, I know that Lamar has spoken with Odell beforehand and I think they're friendly so that's something uh, there is there's some questions about cap space and stuff like that whenever they start bringing these people in, but uh, it does appear to be somewhat of a uh, of a uh, olive branch. Yeah, like look, like like you know, this isn't speculation. Like they were literally seen partying together in Miami uh, or somewhere in, in Florida uh, after this announcement was made. So presumably Lamar Jackson had some influence. Now, logically, that means that Lamar Jackson is probably staying in Baltimore. Either that or he's pulled the ultimate punked move on the Baltimore Ravens organization <laughs> and just got his, his guy paid a bunch of money. And obviously it's been a ongoing for the entire offseason that OBJ Welt insulted about the amount of money being offered to him. But he now got $15 million guaranteed, um, which is a, you know, for the wide receiver position isn't that much, but also for a guy who hasn't done anything in over a year still feels like a lot you know like it still feels like a a bit of a stretch there but in theory this means that lamar is probably staying in baltimore though given the the way the whole um the non-exclusive tag works it's not necessarily in his control at this point but look it's a weird situation i think it's a bit of an overpay but given how little talent they have at the wide receiver position and if this makes lamar happy and they re-sign him then it's probably uh worth doing it and yes as you mentioned it, it's it's really a one-year contract but uh with a 15 million signing bonus but they've tacked on some void years to in a very saintsian way to to make the numbers work in terms of the cap um so interesting situation uh, the darren waller trade just feels like a more standard hey this is what relatively smart teams do um i suppose which makes up for the fact that they give uh, daniel jones 40 million a year but anyway uh so darren waller is obviously a guy who obviously a great story in terms of overcoming his uh, addiction issues to become a real big playmaker for the raiders in the last few years he had a kind of a down year last year but i think for a team like the giants which obviously are now building around daniel jones and it's not going to be the most I'd say volume heavy pass of offense probably going forward, you know, having a guy at least who can be a big playmaker and given the 
like lack of really other big playmakers they have in the passing offense. It's going to just be kind of a guy, I think it's almost like a wide receiver two only type room. And I think Darren Waller will de facto become uh, one of their top receivers in that kind of room. And I think he could be a solid addition for the Giants uh, going forward. I don't know if it's a huge addition, um, if he's really lived up to that one year where he looked like he was going to be a future superstar, like competing with the Travis Kelseys of the world, but I think it'll be a, a good addition uh, overall. Yeah, the I and I agree. I think the Waller trade is a, a good upgrade, and I think the Giants are going to be going interesting place with them. The the one I want to highlight here, just in, in terms of the going down into the perhaps out of the the, the highlighted areas in, into the into other moves. Uh, the Jacoby Myers saga, I think, does need to be uh, addressed. Where Myers demanded to be paid by the Pats, they refused. He left and signed for the Raiders for three-year, $33 million contract, and the Pats proceeded to sign his replacement, Juju Smith-Schuster, for three years on a $33 million uh, contract. <laughs> Um, and I believe Jacoby uh, let his uh, annoyance be known on Twitter uh, as a result. <laughs> uh, the theory, I guess, is that Juju's ceiling is slightly higher than Myers when he's healthy, but he's got no consistency, whereas Myers works his ass off, even though he's not got all the talent. I Apparently, the, the locker room is up in arms. Uh, the Pats fans are up in arms. It's, he was quite a popular guy in, in, in Foxborough, uh, Myers was. So that's, that's one that's going to... If, if, if Juju doesn't hit the ground running, I think he's going to have a nightmarish year in terms of the fans turning on him because Boston fans are not patient people uh, whatsoever. Uh, so that's probably one to, to keep an eye on uh, if you're interested in controversy. The other one is I like DJ Shark going to Carolina uh, for $5 million one year. I like that. He's, yeah, he's that's a great really one. Good, really good value there. And given and that they're going to be bringing in... Yeah, they're going to be bringing in, you know, the, the, the next superstar QB. It's, a, it's very good to be building those kind of pieces around him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, think, like, I think Mike Gusecki is a good pickup as well. Although I don't know why you have so many tight ends in New England. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, <laughs> we haven't won since we've had superstar tight ends. So we just kind of keep, keep bringing in tight ends until someone turns out to be <clears throat> Gronk, basically. Fair enough, yeah, fair like, enough. And I think the like the broad brushes here is that the wide receiver market was very, very thin. Like, you know, Myers and Juju are good players, but they're they're not like no one's gonna mistake them for anything more than like a mid tier wide receiver two type player, you know, a guy who compliments guys who actually win you games and you know, eleven million a year, you know, like I suppose if you compare it to Christian Kirk last year, it's not too unreasonable and then but then you see why you know Odell Beckham as potentially a guy who can be a wide receiver one gets 15 million uh for the one year Brandon Cooks is the traded yet again after you know saying he never wanted to be traded again Dallas giving up a, a fifth rounder for next year's uh sixth rounder to get Cooks out of there into Dallas and obviously Dallas are a team that's you know probably going to get him more exposure he'll get plenty of more media exposure there and obviously should be a good um compliment to CD Lamb uh, the running back market, as usual, not great. Like the highlight was Miles Sanders, four years, $25 million, um, with okay guarantees, but not great guarantees. It was just a little bit strange. Like Dave Montgomery got a pretty good contract, I would say, $6 million a year. Well, there's Jamal William, uh, you know, from the Detroit Lions, whereas their previous, like, you know, now, I think, like, was he record? I think he has the most touchdowns in a year for Detroit last year. He got three years, $12 million, Jamal Williams. So I feel a little bit of an insult to Jamal Williams. I know he's not the most dynamic guy, but he does one job really well. And I don't know what the job Dave Montgomery... Like, Dave Montgomery just feels... He's just not that good. I don't know. Whereas Philly picked up Rashad Penny for one million. And I think he's a guy who... 90% chance he, you know, his leg blows up. But if he has a full year where he's healthy, that could be like the steal of the off-season type situation. Um, as for the tight end position, um, 
Dalton Schultz, only one year, 6.25. He seems like a guy who maybe overestimated his market after having a few good years in Dallas. Um, and then you see guys like Mike Kosicki obviously getting a decent contract with New England. I think he has a solid chance to be at what the compliment that they wanted when they picked up John o. Smith uh, to Hunter Henry there at the tight end position. And Irv Smith's another guy. I put him in Rashad Penny where, you know, there's a lot of other tight ends who are picked who are probably more actually better players like Joss Oliver who went to Minnesota. Uh, but he's a guy who in Cincinnati, he could be interesting, could do some good things there um, after, you know, Hayden Hurst got paid by Carolina for what he did in Cincinnati last year. So someone to keep an eye on there, Irv Smith, I think. Mm. Fun bit of, I suppose, breaking news. Uh, the Lions have decided to give up on previous first-round pick Jeff Akuda, who uh, is now being traded to the Falcons for a first-round draft pick. Yeah, like the fa- we we haven't talked about the Falcons, and there's a few moves later on that are somewhat noteworthy, but they've been doing a solid job of bunching up a bunch of kind of interesting names, names like Calais Campbell, now Jeff Akuda and stuff like that. Uh, they've invested a lot of money, but not necessarily the the big big money. Like I think yeah. the biggest deal was David Onyemata. Uh, well, that's it, I, think, of... I think Akuda is like ten million, which is relatively high for guys underperforming. But like I suppose you're getting first round talent, and you can do a reclamation project, and you've still got I imagine two years left on his rookie deal because he was and like twenty 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 one. I think in terms of this these positions, the skill positions moving forward, there's not really much. They're still running back guys if you want them. Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and a bunch mm. of other guys. And Austin Eckler obviously is is trying to get a trade, but doesn't look like he was successful. And he looks like he's he's resigned himself to getting paid basically nothing to be the center of the Chargers offense this year again and then hopefully get paid next offseason. <laughs> yeah. Wide receiver, your top option is Richie James unless you're trading for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, there's, a, there's rumors, there's rumors abound now that DeAndre Hopkins might be released shortly. That uh, well, yeah, they, haven't, they haven't been able to get the trades that they were hoping for him and that they're looking to, to shave a bit of money off. So I think, I think if he comes free, it's going to be an interesting... It's going to be an interesting yeah. race to see where he goes because he's he's what thirty one now, isn't he? Yeah, but like, look, like they aren't getting the trades they like, but and presumably they're getting trade offers. Like this guy obviously is worth, like you know, if you're getting him from a like you know a third round pick is better than nothing, I would say basically. So I don't know why they're well. It's like, be, it, it, presumably it's because if he if 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 he if they caught him and he signs with someone else, they can get a compensatory pick, is it? Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I'd have to check the numbers. I don't think that. I don't think it works that way when you cut no. a player. So oh, like, okay, I think so it's just. It might enough. just be, like, like maybe it's a situation where the player is unwilling to be traded unless it's under certain conditions. But, yeah, you know, could well be that. Like, and somehow the tight end position is actually even more depressing than wide receiver because your top option is like a blocking tight end like Parker Hesse or a tight end like Dan Arnold. Um, mm. Thankfully, the the draft class is pretty heavy at tight end. This so. is yeah. I was gonna say this is yeah. this is like. Uh, I think I was seeing a thing that like is it there's ten of the ten of the most athletic tight ends of all time like out of the top 100 are in this single class yeah. or something. And um, like, you know, Mercedes Lewis is still out there, so that's a future jet if ever I saw one. <laughs> Better bump up that score I gave them for their offense. Um, let's move on to the offensive line. Uh, Orlando Brown is Cincinnati four years, sixty-four million, thirty-one million is a signing bonus. John Taylor's gone to the Kansas City Chiefs four years, eighty million. We talked about McGlinchey, we talked about Powers, we talked about Nate Davis. There's Andrew Dillard, has gone to Tennessee. Andrew Wiley to Washington. Uh, Semimalas, Pittsburgh. <laughs> fuck off. Uh, Connor McGovern to Buffalo and uh, David Edwards to Buffalo as well. Um, yeah, it's fine. There's not a ton left. Dalton Smith, uh, Zaya Wynn, Dalton Reiser, people like that are are knocking around. There is like it feels a little bit chunky. Like the Chiefs 
what they paid Jawan Taylor was interesting to me, particularly given Orlando Brown went and joined Cincinnati for a cheaper deal. Uh, it always seems like an odd one to me. Uh, there's a little bit of Brown definitely fumbling the bag versus what he was being offered last year on that. But um, well, it, it sounded like there was also some, you know, I want to play in certain positions and I want a certain level of respect. And, you know, he, he did go, he did get a bunch of guaranteed money with this contract. So, yeah, you know. Like the bag is smaller, but the bag is in his pocket, as it were. So. Hmm. The bag is corporeal. Nicer design. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a nice uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he, I, John Taylor. I, I liked him a lot at Jacksonville last year, but I don't think he's really quite at Brown's level. So I, I, I wonder. I think it's a little bit of a downgrade for the Chiefs, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and like, look, the Chiefs also lost Andrew Wiley, so they'll probably be looking for someone in the draft anyway, but. Don't be surprised if they're looking for offensive line help on uh, the tackle positions in the draft. Uh, like like in the other one, like Andre Dillard feels like a little bit of overpaid by Tennessee. Tennessee had a really weird free agency. We won't go into detail, but you know, obviously, are they rebuilding or are they not rebuilding? It kind of seemed early they were rebuilding and getting rid of people, and then they're starting to spend a bunch of monies on guys like uh, Andre Dillard. There's a couple other transactions uh, later on uh, similar to this. So I have no idea what Tennessee are doing. They're just weird. I don't long. think Tennessee um, know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Wiley gets the, you know, <clears throat> Super Bowl pump, bump, bump payout from Washington. Nice for him, I suppose. And yeah, like, look, I think there's some decent options still out there in Donovan Smith, Jermaine and Lunamore. So I imagine once the uh, draft process has worked its way through the system that uh, these guys will probably get signed at that point. But, you know, relative to where things could be at the offensive line position and considering how much, you know, importance it has in the modern NFL, you know, the contracts were, except for the, the top two guys, weren't... They're not crazy. crazy. Yeah. They're not crazy. But like the the quality of the guys coming through is you know pretty bad as well. Like Jawan Taylor got paid a lot because he could potentially be a Pro Bowl kind of guy. Uh, but Andrew Dillard, who's basically been a backup for Philly uh, for his entire career, been picked in the first round, is still getting you know nearly ten million a year. So yeah, it's a weird position right now, but we'll see. Yeah, let's move to defense. First level of defense. Uh, we've got. So his big name's gone here. Javon Hargrave, San Francisco, four years, 84 million. Draymond Jones, Seattle, three years, 51 million. Zach Allen, we talked about Denver, three years, 45 million. Uh, Dalvin Thompson to Cleveland. Marcus Davenport to Minnesota. Uh, a couple of these ones you were mentioning, Atlanta there earlier, Ronan. Uh, picked up Clayus Campbell and David Onyemata. Um, yeah, like there's a couple of interesting bits and pieces moving here. Like there's are eternally always there and always sitting somewhere in the upper sections of the yet to be signed. Jadavian Clowney still is there. Um, <laughs> huzzah. Another year of him on the run. Uh, names you might know that are still out there. Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Floyd, uh, Puna Ford, Marty Leonidas. Uh, and yeah, like there's Shelby Harris. He was cut by the Seahawks. Yeah. Like there's, there's a few bits there. There's not a ton there. Like there's like, I imagine Gokwe, Cloudy, you might be able to kind of grab a kind of later in free agency seven and a half million kind of t- thing there and put them in a rotation maybe. You might even get them cheaper at this stage, but I'd say you'd probably be paying them about that much. Yeah, like look, the modern NFL, I think what you see is that things are based on depth and there's basically a very clear divide between the elite guys and the other guys. 
and then there tends to be in free agency within the other guys' categories, the guys who just want to get paid straight up, like just lock it in, and there's the guys who are going to wait around. And as they get older, like, you know, you see guys like Frank Clark who was released, you see guys um, who are longer in the toot um, are kind of hanging around, and they're willing to wait till teams get a bit more desperate, I suppose, and want to build up their depth. Um, so Javon Hargrave obviously is a guy who only, I think, three years ago went to free agency, went to Philly, was a huge part of their, obviously, getting the Super Bowl defense, and now is re-upping um, at a fairly advanced age. I think he's in the late 20s. It's San Francisco, four years, 84 million headlines, this thing, and it's a very healthy contract, kind of um, just below the kind of the, the, the kind of Duran Payne, uh, Jeffrey Simmons type level. Um, and considering that those guys are young, um, that's, uh, you know, I think you're fair enough getting that at this stage of his career. Um, getting that second by the apple. Uh, the rest of them are more like contributors. Like Draymond Jones is a guy who contributed in the um, pass game, uh, particularly on defense in terms of rushing the passer. Um, I think he makes sense with the way the Seahawks are having to move from the 4-3 uh, to 3-4 over the last couple of years. And you see a guy like Puna Ford still out there because he didn't see what Seattle are doing. And I think like that's a general trend. Guy like nose tackles are doing well and like 3-4 defensive ends are doing well, but maybe more penetrating type uh, defensive linemen are kind of suffering a bit in the interior. And so Davin Tomlinson, who's a big guy, does well. Um, Calais Campbell does well because he played much plays well in any defensive scheme. And Onimada and Rankin similarly. Um, whereas Ian Edidis is a bit undersized, you know, doesn't do that, and Harris Harrison maybe just get a bit older. The, the, like what we talked about in the preview is that the edge rush position, there's basically very little in terms of truly elite guys. Marcus Davenport was the closest thing in this uh, class, and he got one year, 13 million, a prove deal for Minnesota. So, you know, I think people recognize the difference between like your TJ Watts or your Boses and your Marcus Davenports. And then you have the guys who are willing to wait around, like Ngakwe, Clowney, Floyd, and there's others, uh, plenty of others who are like, we'll wait around, we'll see what we get later on. Um, and so you see guys, like the other categories, just your young guys looking to, to get stuff in. Like you have guys like Key, uh, Okokoko, um, Ebukam, even a guy like Kansas City uh, signed Omenahu. You know, guys who are happy to just get paid, you know, another year in the NFL and move forward from there. So, look, it's an interesting position that this is in. I think like, the money isn't as crazy as I thought it might be, um, but the money is still healthy if you're a good contributor. And I think... The specialisms that are getting paid right now has changed quite significantly over the last three or four seasons as the uh, 3-4 scheme has really taken over and being a kind of guy who can fill gaps has become the key measure of what they want defensive linemen. Second level defence, uh, we talked about Chicago kind of going in on this so they've got Tremaine Edwards and TJ Edwards or Edmonds and Edwards so like the, the Fairwack locked up there. Other names in here, uh, Bobby O'Carrie is in the New York Giants, four years 40 million, Von Bell, Carolina, three years 22 million, Bobby Wagner in a very interesting, he, he, he went out for one year, thought, no, it's cold and scary out here in the big wide world. Take me back, Seattle. So he's returned for a one-year, $7 million contract. Like I said, that one surprised me because I thought he was looking to go ring hunting. Uh, but he seems to be kind of going, no legacy, back with Seattle. Let's just stay here um, for a bit. Other names are added. Eric Kendricks, Cole Holcomb, uh, David Long, Tremaine Adams, all signed. Uh, ones that are still out in the market would be... Uh, Jalen Smith, Anthony Barr, Adrian Amos, Rodney McLeod, Jonathan Owens. Um, Look, this, this overall is, like seems this, fine to me. Like it's yeah, that that that's this position. It's not the most exciting. It's kind of the the in between. Uh, obviously, it's a second level defense. It's kind of in between by default. But in terms of money, it just doesn't seem to be a priority. Which is why the Edmonds contract that we talked about earlier, four year, seventy two million, stands out pretty significantly when the next best 
paid linebacker was four years, forty million. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Wedmans is worth that. But like, look, like these are all guys who are solid contributors, but they just are coming at a huge discount. Like guys like David Long, who played well last year for Tennessee, is only getting like five point five per year. Strong safeties who've played okay, like Ryan Neal, are getting like one million a year. Like that's you know even running backs are looking at these guys and saying that maybe they're getting a little bit underpaid. But like, anyway, like, 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 there's one big story, obviously, for me as a Seahawks fan. Bobby Wagner coming back, you know, still very highly rated by PFF at the linebacker position. It'll be interesting because obviously he dominated as kind of the, um, the, the, the inside linebacker in a four-three scheme. They've obviously transitioned to the three-four uh, scheme, though that's what he did experience in the Rams and played well there. But you know, he's a legend with the club, and there's no reason why he can't continue to be somewhat productive this year and and be a guy who can mentor what's probably going to be a pretty young room overall. Uh, but like, look, look. Okay, Ricky, Bell, um, Kendricks, Holcomb, like uh, Edmonds, these are all guys who can make contributions, but, you know, it's just a position that's really, you know, they're really getting banged at the moment, it feels like, but, uh, you know, it's all right. Uh, so I, I, I kind of stepped in here because I don't think Sean wants to talk about this position necessarily. I'll leave him the more sexy uh, position <laughs> uh, coming up. Yeah, no, I love the secondary, but not quite the, the middle bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is strange that it's like, the way it used to be understood was there was a front seven and a secondary, and now there's this middle layer that no one's. It feels like it's in evolution. Maybe it hasn't quite fully come into its own as a, yeah. as a, as a speciality yet. And, and they can't even blame the draft this time because, as we'll talk about next time, probably not in much depth. Uh, the, the the actual depth that the linebacker coverage linebacker safety strong safety position isn't great to be honest. Like all the indications are, it's a, it's not a deep draft. It's not a deep draft at that position so it's weird that you know these contracts are so still so parsimonious it feels like uh, mm. well, well the way things have gone I suppose with, with, with that in mind, we'll move on to the sexier third level of the defense, your cornerbacks and your free safeties. Uh, so the big name in conversation here is going to be Jalen Ramsey. He's been traded to Miami. Uh, they're taking a 2023 third round pick and tight end Hunter Long. And Miami kind of said, okay, we won't rework the deal, uh, but we will guarantee your 2023 and 2024 elements of the contract which smart it means he's got his guaranteed money coming in it does mean that if that's the kind of contract he was looking for i'm surprised that there was not some more some other teams in on the hunt for this uh, unless maybe he gave this because he wanted to go to miami and he has the advantage of the tax situation there but um because that means that they have him locked up for two years and they have him locked up at a very affordable price for those two years provided he can still play to a decent level and you always feel he could probably start mixing in a bit of safety work there as well if needs be uh jesse bates probably the other big name atlanta signed in four years 64 million stefan gilmore has gone to dallas cam sutton in detroit byron murphy in minnesota sean murphy bunting tennessee patrick peterson jesus they gave him a two-year contract he was passed it two years ago um in pittsburgh manuel mosley detroit chauncey gardner johnson detroit Juan tornhill cleveland and Jimmy Ward to Houston. And if you're looking for anyone in this area, what's left over would be John Johnson, Troy Hill, Bryce Callahan, Marcus Peters, Rocky Sin, Shaquin Griffin, and Eli Apple, who I believe we flagged at the start of last podcast as well. How will someone take a take a punt on him? So far, not Sean. Uh, well, he's only got himself to blame. I mean, if he didn't... The, the problem is, and this seems to be a general problem with cornerbacks, because Jalen Ramsey has the same problem, although he's much better, is that 
their level of play versus how much they run their mouth about how good they are, there's a real discrepancy there, which means when you, for example, are Eli Apple in the Super Bowl and you get creamed by uh, uh, t- uh, Cooper Cup a few times, it's a much bigger story than just, oh, cornerback gets beat for a touchdown. It's, oh my God, Eli Apple humiliated himself. Jalen Ramsey's the same. Ramsey is real one of the best players at his position when he's on form. He does have games where he just does not play well or he has matchups where he's not particularly good against who he's up against. And as a result, he looks like an absolute fool because he spent all his time talking about how great he is. Um, interesting to see what he's going to do in Miami. I, I, I think he might be on the downslope. I think his peak years are probably maybe behind him a little bit now. Uh, he hasn't had an outstanding season in, in a little while, um, although he is still one of the best at what he does. Um, the Jesse Bates thing is very interesting. Obviously, Bates was a very big part of that Bengals secondary when they made that Super Bowl run, and he's considered to perhaps have been the star of that secondary. Going to Atlanta for shit tons of money uh, is an interesting decision on, on both those counts. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, works out. The Stefan Gilmore to Dallas, and I guess that finally confirms that Gilmore has passed it because the Cowboys only sign veterans once they're uh, over the hill. Uh, and I guess the only other thing I would highlight here is, is the Lions picking up Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for, you know, not, not a terrible amount of money, especially for Mosley and Gardner-Johnson. So they completely rebuilt their secondary, basically. Uh, it's going to be interesting. As part of their we-are-now-a-good-team thing, it'll be interesting to see if that clicks together, especially Gardner-Johnson had a really good season last season with the Eagles, so he, he should be a really good addition uh, as well. The, the cornerback thing is, it, there's kind of a running back sense to it because it's quite an athletic position. When you're at your top, you're really good, but you can fall off the cliff very quickly. And Gilmore, I guess, is the perfect example of that. The you know, best cornerback in the world three years ago and now, I would say, is, is quite past it. Um, so, yeah, the money seems to flow, starting to flow for these positions when they're at their peak. But I, I, maybe the very best are a little bit overrated still. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced the cornerback is as, as essential as some of these teams seem to think that they are. Yeah, and I look, the quality of players making the free agency at this position pretty low, which is why you see trades for guys like Jalen Ramsey if you wanted to make a big splash. And obviously Miami is a team that is all about making big splashes, if you'll pardon the, the pun. Um, and <laughs> they're obviously a team that is... Lo- <laughs> is also a team that's obviously, you know, feels like they're on the precipice of potentially being a, you know, contender. So Jalen Ramsey feels like a piece there. And obviously they uh, lose Byron Murphy because he literally can't, not, sorry, not Byron Murphy, uh, uh, Byron, the other Byron, um, who basically said he can't play anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how they do there, though they've had issues with veterans before. Jesse Bates, like Atlanta are weird. Like, you know, we'll talk more about this in the, in the you know, uh, in the future, but Atlanta are weird. Like Arthur Smith's been there three years and yet it only just feels like now they're like, oh yeah, we're rebuilding. And it's like, okay, we'll pay Jesse Bates a bunch of money and we'll get Onyemata and Clayus Campbell, we talked about earlier on, on the defense, and maybe they got to get that going. But, you know, it is, it is. Like, you know, whereas Gilmore going to Dallas just feels like a classic Dallas move, as Sean says. You know, I think Detroit, defensive backs, fixing that, getting rid of Kuda, bringing these guys. We'll see how it works out. These guys are all gritty, um, high-intensity players. Like, Johnson Gardner-Johnson is known for running his mouth. Cam Sutton's a guy who comes from Pittsburgh with a reputation of being a Pittsburgh-type defensive back. In other words, he's able to tackle, and he's a bit of a dick. Um, and Emmanuel Mosley's a solid pickup from San Francisco, another team that has a good reputation in terms of developing defensive backs, uh, except for their ability to stay on the field in terms of health. Um, but actually, I was surprised that like the contracts given to guys like Sean Murphy-Buttoning, $5 million a year, feels like not that much for a guy who's been pretty good in the NFL 
over his things, whereas like Patrick Peterson gets seven million a year. Maybe they're just looking to get more uh, better in talent there in Pittsburgh and kind of play the form. But, like, but you know, pa- pa- Patrick Peterson is cooked and has been for like a year or so now at this point, right? He had an up year last year. He had an up year last year, but I'm not sure that he is worth, um, you know, making basically your probably going to be your cornerback too. Uh, but you kind of see there like Bryce Callahan, Marcus Peters. You know, even guys like Shaq Griffin, who got big payouts a few years ago, yeah. Like, when when, when the end comes for you as a defensive back, it can come very quickly. Um, so, I suppose, if you're going to get paid, get paid soon. Um, but maybe teams are cottoning on a bit and not giving out the big contracts that maybe they were, like, three or four years ago. Um, I suppose, it's a, especially because the schemes, as they've moved to being more helping out the defensive backs and having so many defensive backs, it's more like having mm. a, a collection. Maybe the emphasis on having the star cornerback, the Jalen Ramsey-type cornerback, becomes less of a less of a focus of teams. Yeah, I'm su- I'm 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 surprised that Pittsburgh went Patrick Peterson and didn't go Marcus Peters because I think given what they have at safety, they could play Peters the way they'd want to play Peters, and it would always be good to kind of take one off, like take take a starter from a in division rival. You would think, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be intrigued to see what Peters goes for uh, this off season. Hmm. Uh, special yeah, well, teams. They have Mika Fitzpatrick as their playmaker, defensive back already. They need someone who's just solid, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, probably wouldn't have picked Peterson then. Uh, okay, let's do special teams because kickers are people too. Uh, Matt Gay, four years, $22.5 million, staying in Indianapolis. Riley Dixon to Denver, Thomas Morstead, the Jets, Jake Bailey, Miami, Chase McLaughlin, Tampa Bay, Zane Gonzalez uh, on a trade to San Francisco, uh, Cordis Whippin, New England, and Mike... Osrich, uh, Green Bay. So long snappers are people too, to an extent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for ones that you might know the name of uh, that are still sitting out there, Eddie Pinheiro, Robbie Gold, Randy Bullock. If you're looking for kickers, I really hope Randy Bullock gets a job just because it's so much fun to say his name. Uh, punter wise, Andy Lee, Mike Hack, and uh, Michael Polardi are all out there. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I always me, wonder about. Here. I always there's wonder sim- about how much how much uh, people want to put into into this position at this stage when these guys are a little bit older. Yeah, I think there's a nice symmetry to this because obviously when we went position by position, we started with quarterback and Tampa Bay paying Baker Mayfield like a you know not that much to be quarterback for a team that still has a lot of veterans on it. Uh, and now, basically, their former kicker, Matt Gay, a position where contenders tend to be happy to give them a little bit more just to make sure that they don't fuck up on that position. They basically let Matt Gay, who's been a very good kicker, leave in free agency, and he got a, by far, the most expensive contract, four years, 22.5 million. And the rest of these guys are getting like somewhere in the more, the one million area. Uh, so that's the kind of difference of magnitude wrong here. He's going to Indianapolis, and obviously Indianapolis, presumably, hope are getting their quarterback of the future in the draft, and that they're going to be everything's up from here type situation with, with the new regime there um so i guess really the only notable change at the at, at that special team position besides of course matt osrick going to green bay as a long snapper uh but like look riley dixon thomas morstead these are guys who've had even jake bailey have had solid years at the punting position and have got contracts which as a punter is pretty much all you can ask for and yeah chase mclaughlin and zane gonzalez are the only two other kickers moving around and yeah there's guys like robbie gold if you want the very old veterans or andy lee in the punting position and or you can have the kind of you know someone's going to be left at the end of the you know ring around the rosy and be left with eddie pinheiro or randy bullock or matt hack at the special team position and they'll get solid performance but uh you know you probably don't want to rely on them if you are at that key moment in the super bowl probably 
And uh, just to flag that my boy Rodrigo Blankenship is still out there looking for work. So if anyone's anyone needs an everyman kind of kicker for you know the kind of yeah. hard gritty type who will who will you know do his thing. Something must have gone wrong there because there was a couple of teams at the back end last year that were struggling mightily for solid kicking, and you would have thought he would have been a slam dunk to take one of those jobs even on a temporary basis. Like, is it tur- like is he secretly like bad into QAnon or something? <laughs> he, I don't know. Oh, wait, he no, he's not been signed to the Jets, has he? <laughs> no, he was on the Cardinals better... briefly for a period last year, but he got he got uh, cut. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think. I think people look at his glasses and go, "You're not manly enough for the NFL," and he's just a victim of the patriarchy, really. What? Think, like <laughs> the thing is that, like, the Patriots won't have... sign him. <laughs> the, the reality is at these positions that unless you're actually good, it's better to be completely and utterly forgettable. Because at that point, no one will like hate you for it. Whereas if you're memorable in any way, like that yeah, guy you got yeah. picked in the third round a few years ago, or a guy who wears fun glasses, then you know people will notice when you do a bad thing, and that's, that's just the worst thing you can. Being noticed is the worst thing that you could do as a kicker. They don't want if you can just fade into the background, which is something I appreciate. That's part of my personality. Then that would be the appropriate thing to be. So be boring is my advice uh, to all of the kickers out there. Like even Matt Gay, like having a surname like Gay, like he was really pushing it early in his career, but he's, he's mm. pushed through. Um, but better to be the uh, Chase McLaughlin's of the world. No one cares <laughs> about Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, you're right. They yeah, don't. I, I, can't buy, I buy that theory. I buy that theory. And Tampa Bay, you know, they're like trying to be ignored this year anyway. So Chase McLaughlin's the perfect kicker for them to pick up to replace the much more fun Matt Gay. Mm, it's true. Very good. Um, well, I suppose, yeah, that's kind of where free agency sits at this point. Uh, our next one will be our draft preview, I think, will it? Yes, alongside our world-famous mock draft, super accurate. So correct. So right all the time. Uh, yeah, we will have... I, I wonder I wonder where we managed. Was it, last, was it last year or two years ago? I think the top winner got three correct. I think we've done worse than that, to be last, honest. Last year was pretty bad, yeah. I think yeah. we did really bad last year. I'll, I think so. I'll I check thought, the, yeah, yeah. I'll don't, check the don't, tape. Don't, don't, don't check the tape. <laughs> let's, let's just imagine that whatever it was, it was about five right. Yeah, about five right. Uh, but like, yeah. So like, we'll have a position by position uh, preview of all the, the draft prospects or the top prospects. That, uh, actually, we could do all a thousand prospects, whatever. Anyway, we'll, we'll be looking at each position and the prospects that are lighting up the, the potential uh, first round scoreboard and then we'll yeah. do our, our assessment of who will be picked by who yeah um, we might we, 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 we might do our like we'll, we'll pick one each of like someone who's a bit of a late round flyer that we kind of have an idea of. might be a bit of fun um, we are yeah. not uh, college football heads I'll, I'll be frank I no we are I not I tried to briefly get into it last year it's just like this is too much football like uh, you know I'm already dedicating oh. my Sunday evening yeah. the uh, games are too evening. long they need to fix the clock issue in college football above all else plus yeah. half the games don't matter that's it for four and a half hours watching people who actually, are less talented than the NFL play football I yeah. like to be fair half, half the, actually half the games has been optimistic most of the games don't matter basically it's basically got the same problem as the other American sports have. There's too much of it, and too much of it is irrelevant. Yeah, and the structures are confusing, and I don't really know what's what in it. <laughs> well, yes. but at least the players can kind of half get paid now using their. They have the right to sell their their likenesses. So yeah, yeah. so that's nice. why we've got your man uh, De Cooler has the has the advertising this year, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, for the for the air conditioning company. So. 
that there's there's the le- if there's one lesson you should take from this podcast, if you want to be a successful kicker in American football, have a boring name. If you want to make money at the college level, you don't want to play in the NFL, have a cool name. Yeah, that's pretty much. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> <laughs> Show us the lesson that we should learn. Uh, any plans for the rest of the week, lads, or uh, any anything upcoming? Not really. Uh, Champions League is back, so I'll probably watch some football. But uh, yeah, it's been a dramatic few weeks slash months, so it's a bit of downtime is probably much needed at this point. There you go, Jeff. Put, put up my feet and have the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> mm. <laughs> the little misses, you know, pottering around. Yeah, while I I watch the the old telly box. Yeah, I if I if I understand the, uh, the 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 TV shows, you're meant to sit there eating pizza and lifting your feet up while she runs a Hoover <laughs> underneath them, and then she like puts a hand on the hip and just like kind of tuts the head. That's the dream, Connor. That is the dream. <laughs> That's the dream. Um, very good. Yeah, no, uh, I think like I said, nothing too wild or crazy. I think I've got going to do a bit of week in Frankfurt, so I will scope out some places for uh, for the for the German games. Yeah, so as that'll do for this week. Yeah, we'll be doing our draft preview next, so that'll be very exciting. Trying to get ourselves game-faced up for that. Uh, I, I have a feeling we won't do a live drunk cast of the draft this year again. Still to this day, our most popular episode, I think. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I suppose, look, that'll wrap it up for now. Uh, so it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you in a week or two. Bye.